apologize. Today uh, I have to serve the communion in our Chinese services. So, uh, welcome those of you who are new. My name is Ben. I'm the English pastor of this church. Um, so we just started a new series. I know that uh, Kevin and Amanda just read the verse earlier, First uh, Peter chapter one. And uh, our last series, just to remind you, if you were not here or you would like to know more, we just went through a series called Made for More. And we explore how our lives are not just a student, just a parent, just a worker, just. We've been made for more by God because as we put our faith in Christ, he became our Lord Jesus. So we're going to continue uh, uh, to move on to the next series, but continuing that idea that we've been made for more. If we're made for more, what can we do for Jesus? What are the things that we want to do for, uh, that he has called us to do? And one of the things we talked a lot about last few weeks was this idea of bringing the fullness of Christ in every nook and cranny in this world. So that's what we're going to move forward. We're going to go through First Peter. We're going to go through almost every chapter of First Peter. And this new, new series is called Shine. We want to shine for Jesus. In order for us to bring the fullness of Christ in every nooks and cranny in this world, we, what we're really doing is we are shining, being a light to the world. Uh, this, uh, I don't know how many of you sleep with your light completely off. in your. How many of you, show of hands, sleep with your light off completely, page black? Well, quite a bit. Um, I know that for, for, a, for a lot of people, they don't like to do that. Uh, my bedroom, my wife and I, we slept with our light completely off. The only little light that we have is my computer screen that has the little blinking blue light, which my wife was always wondering, why do I leave that on? Uh, but basically, it's pitch black. Now, those of you who sleep in the dark, uh, I don't know if you have this problem. Uh, certainly, I have this problem because our room is a little tight. We have a lot of junk in there with, with our family. And so um, one thing happens a lot is I'll wake up in the morning. I'm an early riser, most of you might know. I'll wake up early in the morning, and then I want to get out of bed without waking up my wife. And so I'm trying to sneak around and just go slowly kind of move. But then inevitably what will happen is because it's completely dark, I'm always tripping on something. Either I'm tripping on the chair next to me or uh, tripping over my wife or I'm just falling off my bed. And so as, as careful as I want to be to get out of bed completely quiet, it almost never, ever happens. And I think it makes sense, right, because it is darkness. I, we, it was completely dark in there, and that's what darkness does to us, isn't it? Darkness blinds us. Darkness confuses us. And at times, as I find out more and more, darkness sometimes hurt us. And I have many cuts and many bruises on my leg because I, even though I know where things are supposed to be, somehow when it's in the dark, I'm trying to find my way is not the same. And so darkness has this negative connotation, and many of times we use that, uh, uh, that analogy of thing of darkness throughout Scripture and in life. Darkness tends to be the things that is not good, is not, represents evil. Uh, recently, I thought a lot about darkness, not because I wanted to, but there are quite a few things that came out in my life that uh, kind of brought it to my attention about darkness, both in this world, but also in my own life. Uh, one of which was this, this past week, I... Uh, I was watching a, a simulcast uh, by a pastor named David Platt. He just came out with a book called Something Needs to Change. And the whole simulcast was really pointing out the darkness that's going on in this world. I was reminded that as good as the life that I have here, here in America, there are many places in this world are still living in darkness. 
So the whole side of the whole book is really about his visit to the Himalaya mountains. And it was in there for eight days. He traveled, hiking, traveling everywhere. And what he saw was there was extreme poverty in this world. That kids actually have no food to eat. Not because they don't like to eat of it, because there is absolutely no food to eat. And, and, and while they're uh, exploring, they also find that kids are being taken advantage of for sex trafficking. They're being sold as young as some of you sixth graders, that because they don't have an education, because they have to work all day. So these people will promise them that they will have a life if you just go down the mountain with them. We'll give you a job. We'll give you uh, education. We'll give you classes. Only to sell these girls, young girls, to be slaves, to be sex slaves, to be taken advantage of people. And I was hearing that. I wondered, and, and, and the author kind of challenged, the, the, the moderator challenged it, it, for those of us who are Americans, and particularly those of us who are Christians, when we hear news like that, do we feel the darkness? Do we have the capacity to cry for people in darkness? Or do we just hear that, well, tough for them? Oh, that's so sad. And the reality is when I hear those things, I did not cry. And I wonder why I did not cry, because maybe perhaps my heart has been seared, callous to the darkness of this world. I wonder, have I lost my capacity to cry? But not only in darkness in this world, a couple of days ago I was picking up my kids from school. I was there early, and here this grandma with, uh, with their grandson picked up one grandson waiting for their granddaughter. I recognize her, I've seen her around. Uh, those of us who are parents, we know how that feels. You see the same parents picking up all the time. And I saw that grandma, and she doesn't really know me. I didn't know her. We kind of know each other. But out of the kindness of her heart, she came to my car. She handed me a bag with uh, some, some ornament. And she was trying to tell me, hey, I want to give this to you. This piece of ornament is going to keep you safe on the road. And she was pleading with me. Take it, take it. It's going to help you to, to, to be saved. You're not going to get, get in a car crash. You're going to save your family. You're going to keep everybody peace. You're going to even have peace in your heart. I was nice. I just said, oh, no, thank you, no, thank you. And then she got kind of upset that I didn't take it from her. And as she walked back to the side and kind of continued her thing, and she was reading this little book, I can see out of my corner of my eye, I know what that book it is, what, what is a relationship she subscribed to. And one of the things God reminded me as I was looking at her, I, I thought about this. How many people are being covered by the darkness of religion. That they think that there's one thing that you can have and it will give you peace. It will save you. That little ornament itself, this physical object will save you both in this world and the world to come. And I think of millions and billions of people in this world today who have never heard of Jesus being shrouded by this darkness, this spiritual force that the Bible says repeatedly were not a chance without someone sharing the gospel with them to be open to the gospel. And then I was confronted by darkness in my own heart. Yes, I'm a pastor, but yes, I also sin. I was confronted deeply of my own darkness in my heart. A couple of weeks ago, I was thinking I was working with, with a couple of brothers and sisters, and in my heart, I just had this bad, bitter, anger, 
angry attitude toward them. And I shared that with our home group. I, I asked them to pray for me because I knew that on, on the outside, I'm just trying to appease them. But in the inside, I, I was second-guessing, I was doubting, I was not in any way to support and to serve them as what Jesus has called me to. There is a darkness in my heart toward brothers and sisters who are saved by grace, by the love of Jesus, that Jesus died for. And yet in my own heart, there's this darkness in me that I don't want to love them. I think if we're honest, we all have seen, been a part of, experienced, done to, of this darkness. And I wonder, do we understand how powerful that darkness is? Many of you know we moved to this new community, in this new building. We are not coming here because we want a bigger building, want a more comfortable building. Honestly, especially in this room you're here, sometimes it gets warm. It is not more comfortable. Why? And we keep repeating to one another and challenging you and I uh, together as a church. We came to a new community because God calls us to shine. Whether you live in Temple City or not, there are places all over the world that is entrenched with darkness. But yet Jesus, throughout the scripture, tells us that we are called to be light. I just want to run through some quick verses to you. And here's what I want you to do. I want a little interactive time here. So whenever you see the word light, I want you to see, talk to the person and tell them light. Got it? I help you guys out here. I, put the, I actually highlighted it on the script. It is no surprise the first thing that God created from Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 says this. God said, let there be light. And there was Light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated light from darkness. God loved light. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, which is the book that is dominated by this contrast of darkness and light. And look at what it says. It's predicted. If you don't know, Isaiah chapter 9 is the, the, the prophecy about Jesus coming. For to us a child is born. But here, early in that passage, it says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great... Light, those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shown. God wants this light to be shown. God promised this light to be shown. And who, through who? John chapter 8, Jesus himself said, who is the light? Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But not only Jesus said he himself is the light of the world. He said those of us who are believers ought to be the light of the world. At Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, says this, You are the? Say to your neighbor, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under the basket, but on a stand, and he gives what? Light to all in the house. In the same way, brothers and sisters, let your light shine before others. Say to each other, light your light shine before others. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Last series, we went through Ephesians chapter 5. Light is there as well. We're called to be children of light. Look at verse 7 and uh, verse 8, chapter 5. For at one time, you and I were in darkness. I didn't notice that. You were darkness. You were not in darkness. You were darkness. That means if we, are, we don't have Christ, we ourselves are darkness. But look at the good news. But now you are 
light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Say to each other, walk as children of light. And finally, we come to 1 Peter, the book that we're going to look at extensively for the next few weeks. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 is the theme verse for our, for our uh, church year this year, started in September. It says this, God wants us to be like, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You, we're going to take a look at this passage. Beautiful mosaic of picture of what the Old Testament call the people of God and why we ought to be light to the world. We're going to take a look at that in a few weeks. But, but my point here is simply this. I can go on and on and on. There are many verses about being light in this world. The reason why we need to be light in this world is because there are darkness in this world. So what I would like to do today is this. I want to kind of go through, kind of give you an overview of First Peter. And then I want to give us a challenge and hopefully a, also a comfort. God wants us to be light in the world of darkness. And as we look through First Peter, I'm going to take snapshots of it and show us how do we become light into the world? How can we become light in a place of darkness? The first thing we see is this. The first thing that in order for us to shine for Jesus, we need to be deeply convicted of who we are in Christ. We need to know our identity in Christ. As Christians, we got to know who we are in Jesus. I read through First Peter in preparation for this sermon series many times. I just want to list out some of the words that describe you as a Christian. Here's what it says. You are Christians. Here are some of the titles, some of the names for you. You're the elect. You're the exiles. You're the believers. You're the living stone. You're the holy priesthood. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are people of God's own possession. You are God's people, sojourners, beloved, and Christians. Many times when we hear the word Christians about ourselves, it is a very empty word. A Christian is just someone for us sometimes just show up at church. But as we go through first, we want to see there are great identities baked into who we are in Christ. That's the first thing we're going to look at. Second thing, in order for us to shine for Jesus, not only do we need to know our identity. Second one is this shining for Jesus is literally imitating Jesus. Doing as what Jesus has done. If you want to shine for Jesus, you need to live like Jesus. You cannot be like, I want to shine for Jesus, but my life is completely different from Jesus. Let me read a passage for you in First, uh, first Peter chapter 2. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. You see, shining for Jesus is not just calling yourself a Christian. Shining for Jesus does not mean just put a sticker in the back of your car, on your folder, that makes sure everybody knows that you're a Christian. Shining for Jesus means you can start living like Christ. And here's a warning for you. Living like Christ will be a difficult thing. Because even in this verse, it tells us living like Jesus means we're going to suffer like Jesus. I was just telling our junior high boys earlier. There, as you live for Jesus, your life is not going to be smooth. There are going to be times that you have to suffer and persevere for Jesus. Just as Jesus himself has suffered, which leads me to the next point. If we are to learn that we are shining for Jesus, it will bring suffering. It will require perseverance. 
Life will not be easy. Do not buy in to the American Christian dream. That if you put your life to Christ, you will be set for the right. Everything will be well. Yes, at the end, everything will be well because you will be with God the Father forever. But in the life here on earth, God, there will be suffering. There will be required of you to be persevering for Jesus. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. It says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Let me ask you this question. How many of us were surprised when things do not work out the way we thought? And how many of us were surprised when there are trials of faith in our life and we wonder, God, where were you? And God would turn to and point us to this and say, do not be surprised. If you want to shine for me, if you want to live like me, there will be suffering happening to you. And here's the last one. Shining for Jesus requires us to keep an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective. We've got to play the long game. The game, the scorecard only matters at the end of the game. At times we feel like we're losing, but it might just be first quarter of the game. The score only matters at the end. And if you're playing for a team that has one point more than the other team, guess what? You won. You might be losing for the whole entire game until the last second and you score one more point than the other team. Then you win. And Peter reminds us this, and it says this in 1 Peter chapter 5. And after you have suffered a little while, maybe you feel like you're losing the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory. Eternal, that's the key will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. We will not be able to shine for Jesus if we don't play the long game and have an eternal perspective about life. If we are playing just for today... You would not want to shine for Jesus because it's too hard. Because it will come up, you will make you feel like it's not worth it. But if you know who's going to win at the end and you know the winning team and you can't be on the winning team and God has called you to be on the winning team, then it is worth it to shine for Jesus today in the places of darkness. And think about it. In a dark place. When someone in this room is completely dark and somehow someone turned on a light and you look right at the light, that would hurt, right? When you people live so long in darkness, when you turn on the light, it will make their eyes hurt. That's the same way for us as believers. If we want to shine and yet we know that this world is filled with darkness, at your home, my home, in the community, in the rest of the world, in every society there is in the world there is darkness, then we need to expect to hurt. If we want to shine for Jesus. So you know, so some of you might be wondering, that's a little too hard. Why would I want to shine for Jesus? Some of you might be wondering, I'm only a sixth grader. Some of you might be wondering, I don't have that much gift. Does it matter if I shine or not? What if you shine, Pastor Ben? What if some leaders shine? That's enough. Why do I need all of us to shine? In fact, I have nothing that seems like I can offer to God to shine for Jesus. And here's where I want to get in our text today. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to just go real short today. 1 Peter chapter 1, the first, we're going to stop right there. The first verse says, Peter. You're like, okay. I grew up at church. I know who Peter is. I want to remind us who Peter is. Peter. 
Most of us know him as the great apostle. That's, by the way, does everyone know who wrote this book? Peter, thank you. Sometimes the easy answer is the right answer. Peter wrote this book. And many of us think of Peter as this great apostle, but I want to remind us a little bit of who Peter is. Peter in Matthew, Luke chapter 5, Peter was the one who fished all night. By the way, he was a professional fisherman. He fished all night and there's no fish. And Jesus strolled up and said, hey, Peter, why don't you put the net on the other side of the boat? And guess what, Peter? I can just see Peter's mind. He's like, fine, Jesus. You know, I'm the professional fisherman, okay? You're the carpenter. It is almost as if my kid's telling me, Dad, you need to drive faster. In my head, I'm thinking, I've been driving longer than your life. That's part of how Peter was thinking. And then Peter dropped the net on the other side, did it as just as Jesus told him. And guess what happened? You guys remember? There are many, many fish. The, the net was so big, it was breaking. They need another boat to come and bring more fish. That's the Peter. Sometimes we are like Peter that way, aren't we? We think we know better. Jesus, I know how to run my life. And yet Jesus come along. Here's a Peter. Here's another picture of Peter. Here's the Peter that I remember. That here Peter walking on water. You remember the story? Jesus was out there, and then Peter, with great faith, said, Jesus, if you command me, I will walk. I will walk on the water. Command me to walk out. And guess what? Jesus, said, come on out on the water. And this Peter, the one who thought better, uh, thought of himself no better than Jesus, this time he actually had faith. And Peter took a step out of the, the boat and actually walked on water. None of the disciples can say they walk on water. They were too chicken. They had no faith. Peter actually took in crazy enough, have faith in Jesus, and put the foot out, right? And they start walking and walking. What happened? Did he run around? No, right? Because he starts sensing the wind and what happened. Then when the wind came and he took his eyes off of Jesus and immediately what happened to him? He sang. For many of us, that's kind of like that, isn't it? We're like Peter that way. We have great faith. I put faith. I trusted Jesus. But at times when things are hard, I got distracted. I took my eyes off of Jesus. And what I did is I stopped walking. I started sinking. This is the Peter who wrote the book. who challenged us to shine. This is the same Peter that when Jesus asked, who do, you, who do people say I am? And Peter and the disciples said, oh, they're like Elijah. You're all sorts of great names. You're a great prophet. And then Peter was the only one who got the right answer. and said, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. And sometimes we get the right answer about Jesus, don't we? In our heart we believe, yes, Jesus, you are my Savior. You are my, my Messiah. But only a paragraph later, this same Peter, who proclaimed Jesus to be the anointed one, when Jesus told him, I will die in three days. And Peter said, don't, you will never happen to you. And remember the great remark, the great title that Jesus gave Peter? Get behind me, you saint. How would you like that for a title for a Christian? How do you like Jesus calling, get behind me, you saint? That is the Peter that we're talking about. Peter, the one who had great faith, proclaimed about Jesus as a Savior and anointed one. And yet a paragraph, a couple of sentences later... He cannot accept that Jesus, his Savior, will die. And God said, get behind me, you Satan. And the same Peter. At the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus brought an inner circle. Peter, John, and James. 
brought them up to pray. Jesus was in intense agony, knowing that he would be crucified. He brought these three because he wanted them to pray with him. And do you remember the story? Jesus told them to stay there and pray. And what did they do? Like what most of us do in sermon. They what? Fell asleep. Then Jesus come back again. And Jesus said, can you not stay awake for just one hour? Let's be honest. Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? Sometimes we kind of fall asleep on Jesus. Man, I've been doing this church thing. I've been following Jesus for a while. Sometimes I just forgot and start dozing off and drift off from Jesus. And yet that is the Peter who wrote this book. That is the Peter who wrote the letter to challenge, to shine for Jesus. This is the same Peter who denied, uh, same Peter who denied Jesus three times before the rooster crow. This is the great apostle Peter. Denied Jesus three times as I do not know that man. Yet by the grace of God, he restored him. Jesus restored him. And you would think after all of that, the gospel of Peter would start finally learn his lesson and go, kind of move on to do great and mighty things. In Acts chapter 2, we saw he did great and mighty things. He preached to many people. 3,000 people came to know the Lord as his Savior. And you would think, man, he's on the right track. Uh, the Peter that we know, the Peter that Jesus promised to be the rock that he will build his church, is finally on the right track, only to realize in Galatians chapter 2, in Acts chapter 10, we know that he's not struggling to go back to live in his Jewish way. He started calling people, hey, you want to be Christian? Live like a Jew. You, want to, you need to abide by the Jewish tradition in order for you to have this faith in Jesus Christ of salvation. Then the apostle Paul rebuked him. Do you remember wondering, okay, so why are you sharing all these things about Peter? And many of which you guys know already. Here's the point I want to share with you. This is the apostle Peter that took two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes one step forward, two steps back. I think if the verse goes Peter and we stop right there, none of us would have hoped. But here's the amazing thing about the gospel. I think here's what Peter wants to show us is this, that Peter doesn't just stop right there. He says, Peter, not just that name, is Peter, the, um, an apostle of Jesus Christ. See, Peter by himself is nothing. But Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, that makes it everything. Peter can only do what he did because in spite of who he was, in spite of, 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 of falling and denying Jesus, in spite of taking two steps forward, one step back, because of Jesus Christ, he was called out to be an apostle. He was called out to shine. Here's what I want you to remember. As we go through this book, there are going to be things that are really challenging. Let's be honest, no one likes to suffer. I have yet to find someone who's like, let's send me to suffer. The most spiritual person I know of don't want to suffer. Jesus did not want to suffer. At the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that that, will be, that, cup, that cup of wrath would be delivered from him. Yet, he said, not as I will, but as you will, God. So there are going to be moments that you're going to struggle. And you're like, God, can I really shine for you? And what I want you to remember is this. It is not you can, but that God can. It is not you. What God did not choose to use you to shine because of who you are and what you can do. But really because what God has done and is doing through you. Because as we continue to look at the second part of that verse, I want to point out three things. It says this in verse 2 that, that we are a Peter, an apostle of Jesus. He is writing to those who are in the elect exiles 
of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Here's verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus and for sprinkling of His blood. Don't skip those three verses. You can shine not because you can shine. You can shine because God foreknew, chose you. Because the Spirit of God is working in you. And more important, the last part, for the obedience to Christ, for the sprinkling of blood, you have been covenant. You have this relationship with Christ. Even when you cannot, Jesus Christ is enabling you. Jesus Christ is helping you live your life the way that you ought to live. That is the reason why you can shine. That is the reason why you should shine. So some of us might feel like, man, I'm so insignificant, I can't do anything. Every time you have that thought, be reminded that as you put your faith in Christ, God is going to help you to do those things. God is going to help you to do it. As you struggle like Peter, that you saw Jesus and you obeyed Jesus walking on water, and yet you get distracted. Be reminded that the same Christ can help you walk on water, can continue to help you to stay in your faith. None of us is too lowly and too hopeless for God to be used to shine for him. Peter, that Peter that we know of, we thought of as a great Peter, and yet he's the one that have weaknesses, challenges, and even denied Jesus three times, yet Christ restored him. I want to show you this little break right here. For many of you, this is just a simple break. Nothing special. Before I took it under a lot of spiders. For you, you might think it's just a break that could be laid on the wayside. We can use this to build a house. We can use it for many things. But for me, this is one of the most useful things for me in my house. You may be wondering why. Those of you who have been to my house where I have a little walkway, our gate is broken. So there's no way for me to pull the gate open and keep it open. But this break... It's the only thing that I use to go put it right by the gate when I open it. And here's the problem. Our house is not connected. To, our house is connected to the garage, but I cannot walk to my garage to do laundry. So we have to walk outside of my house to go do laundry. So for the first few times without the break, what I do is I will hold my laundry, go outside, trying to open the gate, and what happens is the gate will just close it right back. So here you see me like a fool outside, kicking it open, and, I, and then before I know it, it starts slapping me on back with the, with the laundry basket. And it wasn't until I realized that there was a brick on my driveway that I saw picking it up and putting it over there. And every time I do my laundry, I took it out. I took my basket full of clothes with seven people in the house, holding it all in. And then what I do is just kick that brick, hold the gate, and I can walk right through. If you were asked a brick, the brick probably never thought that was the use of the brick. Isn't it true for some of us? Sometimes we wonder, I'm just like that brick. What can I do? What kind of purpose do I serve? I'm not that great person of faith. I don't have much to offer to God. I'm young. I'm old. I don't speak English. I don't speak Chinese. We can have many reasons why the brick should not work. We have many reasons why we cannot shine for Jesus. But here's what I want you to remember. The function of that brick does not depend on what the brick thinks about the function. The function of that brick deter- is determined by the owner of that brick. The brick never thought it would be a door stopper. Guess what? 
I'm the owner of this brick. I'm the reason. I'm the one who gives purpose to this brick. And this in the same exact way. God has a purpose for you to shine. God has a purpose for you to shine because there is a world of darkness. Here's what I want us to do. I want you guys to close your Bible. Put your phone down. Close your Bible. I want us to turn off the light. I want you to turn it all off. I know I didn't do a good job blocking every light, but I just want us to take just one minute to kind of feel the awkwardness of darkness. I wish I can seal every part of this room so it would be completely pitch black. This darkness represents the brokenness in this world. Every sin, every crime, every disaster, everything that is not right about this world. And as Christians, we can sit around in a world of darkness and do nothing. And for us, it's okay because we're going to get up and go and we're going to walk back outside. It'll be okay. But it was not okay for God. Because God is an interest, is interested in reaching and bright, bringing light to this world of darkness. And he chose to send his son Jesus to do that for us. And through his son, he called us to be the light of the world. So some of you, I, on your way in, I gave you a little electric, uh, electronic candle. Can you light that up first? And light it up. Hold it up. Hold it up high. I only gave up six. But immediately those lights draws all your attention. It lights up the room. Now for those of you who have cell phones, I want you to take it out. I know I normally tell you not, not use your cell phone, but take it out. I want you to take out your flashlight. I want you to hold it up too. Hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it all up. You have a phone, you have a flashlight, hold it up. And I want you to look around. Look around the room. Just look around how bright this light is when everyone turn on their light, when everyone turn on their flashlight. Just look around how bright this room all instantly become. That is what God calls us to do as believers. That is what God calls us to be as followers of Christ. That each one of us actually turn on our light that is inside already that Christ has given to us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that you first be the light of the world for us. Lord, we confess to you many times we'd rather sit in darkness than to shine for you. For some of us, we feel like we're nothing to offer. For some of us, our hearts are hardened. For some of us, we just don't care. But Lord, through Peter, you called us, demonstrated for us that even someone like Peter can be used for your glory, can be used for your kingdom. And there's a world of darkness out there that you are in pursuit of rescuing. So Lord, help us to be faithful in that. Help us to be faithful in being light to you, for you and for your name's sake. 